To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bitchwarmers Podcast, episode 72. Your Opinionated Bitchwarmers are back with another edition of the podcast. We appreciate all the listeners that's been listening to us, that's been re- reoccurring listeners. We shout out to the new listeners. We shout out to everybody that is rocking with us. The Opinionated Bitchwarmers is how we do things around here. I got Ramon with me as always. Got Carlos with me as always. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing, man? Doing good, man. Ready to rock this episode. Same here, bro. Same here. Doing good. Ready to rock. You're ready to roll with everything. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about, so might as well go in and get into it. I'm going to pick at Carlos, man. You usually have something like, you usually have more energy than that, man. No, (laughs) no, I got the energy. I'm just, I want the listeners. Oh, you're saving it. You're saving it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Man, say you just want to get straight to it, bro. Want to get straight to it. I don't want to go any further. Again, appreciating everybody that's been listening to us. Make sure that you're following us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can find us on our socials as well. We have started taking pre-orders for our merchandise, our t-shirts that you can see on our visuals if you can. If not, check out our Instagram. We have some visuals of it. Uh, Click the link in our bio and it will lead you to where we're taking our pre-orders. Make sure that you, if you're rocking with opinionated Benchwarmers and you want to support us, in any way, make sure that you order a shirt. Uh, they are unisex ladies for the for our ladies listeners. We don't want to be uh, it's exclusive with our women. We know that that the women are, are rocking out for the sports world. So we want to make sure that we that you know that these shirts aren't just for men; they're for women as as well. So make sure that you check that out. Make sure that you continue to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, yes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Yes, sir. That's yes, very sir. very important. And if you feel so inclined to leave a review, if you're not an expressive person, all you got to do is hit that five star and your work is done. So with all that out of the way, let's get into it, fellas. I want to start off by saying that college football is getting heated. The Big Ten just started this past weekend and we Mm -hmm. saw some exciting games, including a very big upset. Indiana upsetting was that Penn State? Yeah, Penn State went down. So it was a very interesting game with the Big Ten starting. Ohio State dominated as they always do. Justin Fields had a great game. Um, what I arrive at is just let's talk about the top five teams in the rankings right now. I think that, and it's not our rankings, the OB touched rankings, the exclusive. It is the official rankings of the coaches, how they determine who's going to make the playoffs. And with no surprise, we see Bama up there. Um, 
I mean, let's let's discuss Bama. You know, they had a very drastic injury with uh, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, and uh, you know, not I mean, it, it was halftime, and Nick Saban already told the reporters that he's out for the season with a broken ankle. So I mean, it was devastating. It was the literally the first game, the first play of the game. He Waddle took the kickoff and he was hurt. The first, very first play of the game and. You know, Ramon, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it, it seems like Tennessee is just that bad team that just hunts Alabama. And not in a way that they get a win. Of course, Alabama continues to dominate Tennessee. But when you look at last year, Tua Tago, Tago Valoa. I'm going to just say Tua. Tago Valoa, yeah. Just say uh, Tua, Tua, you know, that's where his initial ankle injury that caused him to miss some time, caused him to not be himself versus LSU. That's where he obtained that ankle injury. So what what is what's up with Tennessee and that bad omen? What does that injury mean for Bama? Uh, like you said, man, it's crazy that in back to back years, you know, I was thinking the same thing that, you know, Tennessee has caused Bama to have two, you know, big time injuries and it being, you know, ankle injuries on each one. Uh, but I would just say for them, you know, it makes the offense obviously, you know, less explosive. Jalen Waddle really is a first-round pick in this upcoming draft just based upon his skill set. So anytime you lose a first-round talent like that, like you aren't going to be the same offensively. Uh, they had those top three receivers that were going in uh, Smith over there and um, also Michi over there as well, in addition to Jalen Waddle. And so now you saw, you know, Slade Bolden have to step up and assume that third wide receiver spot. And he assumed it pretty well. Overall, they'll still be fine. They have depth as a team, but Jalen Waddle is just that explosive playmaker that you aren't going to find anyone that can just come and do what he can do. And then, you know, he's so dangerous in special teams. That's why, you know, you have to trust him to make that decision right there. Typically, you see somebody three yards deep, you know, you'll say, hey, don't come out. But, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, you got to kind of trust his instincts right there. So, It'll hurt them definitely in special teams with what he does in the kick return game and the punt return game. It'll also hurt their offense a little bit, but I still think just the way that they're rolling with Mac Jones over there, um, with Devontae Smith over there, with the way that Michi has been stepping up and he can be a number two receiver, I still think overall they'll be fine. Yeah, man. I mean, you mentioned Mac Jones. Mac Jones has played amazing so far. I think he's found himself in those Heisman rankings. Uh, he He's played, you know, I, I knew that he was good, you know, in the time that he did take over for Tua when he was hurt last year, but I didn't know he was this good. I mean, some of the throws that he's making, uh, he's doing well. I think Alabama will be okay. I mean, with the depth that they have, I mean, uh, they still got Smith, uh, Who's the other guy that they got? Michi. Michi is a Michi, y'all. Oh, he's really good from Canada. He's really, yeah. really good. Um, but I mean they and then there was another one that was there last year that's there, but I can't remember his name right now. But yeah, Bama would be fine. I mean, then they got uh uh that the so running Najee Harris. Yeah, Najee Harris, who's having an amazing year, uh, who was number one ranked running back coming out of high school and in for the past two years, he's just been dominating. So it's no surprise that he, you know, they can ride him. So uh, Bama's going to be okay. Uh, but, I mean, prayers out to Weidel, and hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Um, 
Do you want to discuss the other top five teams, Ramon, in the yeah, league? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, you really kind of discussing the top three, honestly. It's really a year that you really have Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and kind of everybody else. So you're in a situation mm. where you're trying to figure out who's going to end up being that fourth team that gets into the playoff. But pretty much everyone knows Clemson's going to run the table. Their only true test that they have, you know, is Notre Dame coming up soon. I think that's maybe the weekend of November 7th. That's really their only true test. Uh, Bama's going to pretty much just run through the SEC, if we're just honest about it. And um, Ohio State, I don't really see anybody that's out there in the Big Ten that's going to stop them. And so you look at those three teams, I think that they're head and shoulders above everybody else. And then you have to figure out, okay, who's going to come and potentially occupy that fourth spot. So, you know, I think that's kind of the landscape of college football at this point. You know, who will be that number four team? Because the top three, I think, is pretty solidified. Yeah. I mean, it's like you think Justin Fields, can he get any better than he was last year? And based on that first game, it seems like he has taken another level up. So. Yeah, man, you covered it well, so I'm not going to... something just just quickly, though, that I want to ask y'all, because I know, you know, y'all get into NFL draft and NFL, you know, draft experts, and we know that we've heard for years, obviously, that Trevor Lawrence is that number one pick. He's going to be that guy there. Do you think, based upon the way that we saw Justin Fields play this previous weekend, the talent that we know that he has seeing guys like the Kyler Murrays of the world come and be that number one pick with that dual threat, seeing, you know, those type of quarterbacks, do you think that Justin Fields has a chance to make that discussion interesting? Zero chance for me. Um, Zero chance. Um, It really would take a drastic fall on Trevor Lawrence's face for him not to get the number one pick and for him not to be the, you know, the dominant, no kid number one pick. You know, I don't think – you know, I think there's some talented players out there, but there's no one. They've been talking about number one pick from this kid since he was a freshman, you know, and he's just been really waiting his time. And what he does with his arm and his legs, you know, that's the underrated part about his game um, is, you know, second to none, you know, and how he just – he his NFL throws that he make and how he really picks apart a defense, you know. He already has that it factor, and I think a lot of teams, whoever, they're fighting for that number one pick the Jets, you know, who already drafted Sam Darnold, number one, you know, looking at that, you know, any player, any team that follows that number one pick, whether they have the quote unquote guy like a Daniel Jones, some guy that they haven't really proven themselves yet with two or three years in the league, I can see it being like a Cardinal situation where, hey, we took Josh Rosen, you know, the year before as a top 10 pick, but hey, we got the number one pick this year. And this guy is special, and we're not going to let go of that. So I can't see a situation where any other player is making that conversation interesting. That's just my opinion. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I do think the scope of the league, when you look at the Kyle Murrays of the world, you look at the Patrick Mahomes of the world, um, I think that in – did I say Kyle Murray? I did. Yeah, you said Kyle Murray. I'm, I'm tripping, man. I, you, know, you know how I go. <laughs> um, I think that – you know, when you look at Russell Wilson that, that goes in that crop, just that short, athletic quarterback with the big arm, you know, I think that, you know, maybe Justin Fields could make a case for it if he continues to play like he played in game one, um, just because, you know, people are going to try to get that that the next athletic quarterback. But it's like 
it's like Carlos said, and he spoke well about it. Trevor Lawrence has been wanted for years uh, since he came into Clemson. So I think that that will stay hold. But I think ultimately, I mean, Justin Fields has a chance to make a case for it. Yeah. I I just think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the fact that they've kind of for years been jockeying for that number one spot, even when they were on the high school level. In that recruiting class, Trevor Lawrence was the number one guy. And then, you know, Justin Fields was the number two overall recruit in that class and the number one dual threat. So I just think that's going to be interesting going forward, you know. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, yeah. <laughs> LSU found themselves in a, um, a, a – they won in pretty much, a, I think, a dominant fashion compared to how they played so far this season um, uh, against South Carolina. Uh, they came out with the win, but they had a different guy under center, and that's T.J. Finley. Uh, due to Miles Brennan injury. Uh, I don't want to talk about the game uh, per se, but I want to talk about the headline of the game. Um, it seems like maybe a, a quarterback uh, dramatic, uh, quarterback drama has has started because T.J. Finley played so well in that game. He looked so poised as a true freshman out of Ponchatoula High School. And, you know, he looked great. And he we got the they got the win. So I think that the question that's posed is, do you feel as though LSU, if Miles Brennan is healthy, should he play? Should he start or should we go with Team J. Finley because he's the hot hand, quote-unquote? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the text messages and reminding us talk about this over Twitter. Um, I'm more so on the Finley side of role with the freshman. Um, and the reason I say that is because you look at our season and then you look at the teams that we lost to this year, no, and granted, no fault of Brennan's, you know, Brennan, Brennan has not played bad this year. But in my opinion, I really look at it as a situation where you're in a season where you're in a rebuild year, right? You're in a season where you're trying to build a, a championship, maybe not this year, maybe next year compete for but the year after that with these young, talented players from the corners to the defensive end that we have and to now our quarterback, those, those, those three pieces are true freshmen that can build that championship team in two years from now when we're really competing for that top two, top three spot. Um, and so I like Brennan, and I think Brennan is good, but I don't think Brennan is, has the chance. I don't think Brennan is special. I don't think Brennan is special. I think Finley has a chance if he continues. Again, this is very small sample size, one game. But I like what he saw. I like what I saw. And I like how the team responded to him. And so it's not just about the play of the quarterback. It was about how the team around Finley responded to him. Everybody else kind of had that – you had that feel, that swagger, that when Joe Burrow was on the team, that – you, you got that feel with the, the rest of the players. They're like, okay, let's see what this guy got next. It was almost like, let's see what he got. It was more of an interest. And I think everybody else was kind of impressed with the zip that he had on the ball as well. And not only that he can get it done with his arm, but he can still get something done. He's a threat with the read option. You know, Brennan, no one was really biting on his read option. No one was worried about him taking off running. So from that aspect of, hey, our season – we're not we may we may look up and get a bowl game this year if we finish strong. But this season to me, um, even though Brennan has another year, is already done. I say you do more hurt to Finley when you got that portal. That transfer portal is real. 
And it is real. And I would hate to lose a guy like Finley to one of somebody else that transfer and he ends up in. So the question to me is what, how I look at it is, who would I rather lose in the portal? Would I be more hurt to lose Brennan or would I be more hurt to lose the true freshman with talent? And so when I look at it that way, I feel like as an LSU fan, when I know this year is not going anywhere, I would be more hurt to lose a true freshman that showed that he has some talent. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see your side of it. I definitely see your points. Uh, one point, you know, I guess two points I really definitely agree with. I do see, you know, TJ Finley is more of a guy that has potential to be special um, than Brennan. I I really uh, see at this point that Brennan is a, is a very good quarterback. I think he's very solid at this point. But I feel that TJ Finley does present that in the future. I just don't want a situation that we rush T.J. Finley along, kind of how we've done some quarterbacks in the past. You know, we saw that spurt where Brandon Harris first played, and everybody was like, man, you know, that's the guy we need to go with. He needs to be our guy. And then we put him in a tough spot going to start at Auburn, and Brandon Harris was kind of never the same after that. We saw similar that Jordan Jefferson showed that spurt as a true freshman and came in and played well. And then kind of it was still just kind of rushed along for him. I feel that when you have a guy, even you heard some of those clamors when Tua was in his freshman year at Bama and people were saying that Tua is more of the special guy. And of course you did have that moment where later in the season, you know, in the championship game, he had to step up, but Saban was still like, we're still going to wait. We're still not going to rush things there. We're still going to kind of bring him along. And I also just feel that Miles Brennan hasn't done anything at this point to lose his job. I mean, he's been over 300 yards per game. He's giving you three to four, even five touchdowns in a game. And I feel one thing that really hurt Miles Brennan in his first three games was the lack of a run game. They didn't really work to establish that run game. And the offensive line to me didn't play quite as well. So I would like to see what Brennan looks like with that run game. And I think that he's earned the job to this point. Now, I think that Brennan is is in the toughest spot or probably in the worst spot that you can be as a quarterback because he has to deal with the fact that not only has he come behind the best quarterback in the history of the LSU program, who had probably the best season that you've ever had in college football, but now you see that he has an adequate backup. So he's coming behind that greatness there, but then now he has someone behind him that is like, okay, if you don't do well, then we could easily go to this guy. So he's in a tough spot, but I still don't think to this point he's done anything to lose his job. I would still play him, still start him, but still know that, hey, he has to go out there and perform. They're still competing week in and week out. So if it comes to a situation where Finley does actually overtake him, you know, I think that that would be fine for the program. I just don't think I'm ready to pull the plug just yet. So I'll, I'll add to that. I, like, like the presidential, like no, like the, the presidential debate. Can I can I respond to that? Can I can I respond to that? Like the presidential debate here. Okay. No, I would like to respond to that because you know I think he made some solid points. You know, with you know the previous quarterbacks that we had, like the Brandon Harris, you know the Jordan Jefferson, all that stuff that struggle as true freshmen, but. You know, to those points, I would say that our offense was much different then. We were run first offense. We weren't a spread offense when those guys struggled, right? You know, we weren't really wasn't looking for the, the guys that passed when we were recruiting quarterbacks. 
also looking at the numbers and you know you mentioned that he had over 300 yards but how much of those how much of those yardage and things that he had was us fighting back to get into the game you know because we didn't we didn't convert third downs and things like that you know um because again you look at the game before when we played you know we went like oh for something on third down Mm -hmm. those are crucial downs those are downs that if you watch the previous game when Finley played he was getting converting those third downs, doing the QB sneak, things like that to keep us on the field, right? You keep us on the field. The other team is not on the field. The defense get time to rest. So those, when you look at a young defense and you look at Finley, right, and he can he can do that, have that extra element of keeping us on the field with his legs and getting converting those third downs. You playing um, your your offense and your your defense is jiving together, which again creates a good brand of football. And that's why I think Finley right now is the better guy for us because we have a younger defense. You know what I'm saying? He can yeah. convert those third downs, and he's shown that he can keep us on the field with his feet. That's all I got to right. say to that. Oh, Rob, hey, I don't want to hold you up. I don't want to hold you up. And I just want to respond to the, <laughs> yeah, the third down. <laughs> After I respond to the third down, man, you good. I think the the one difference on that third down point was I think the the thing the ability that we didn't really establish to run in those first three games. So I think that Brennan was stuck in tougher spots on third downs of third and longs that Finley wasn't always stuck in. I felt that Finley had some more manageable. But how much of that the the running game opened up because of the threat of his feet? All right, let me get into it. Let me get in there. <laughs> right, right. This is how I feel about it. I feel like T.J. Finley came in, and I think that I'm not even going to butcher his name, the LSU coordinator, office coordinator. I think they put together a great plan, him and Coach O, and easing T.J. Finley into this game. And it's like Ramon said, I feel like the running game helped him a lot, and they relied upon it. They eased him into it. And once he was able to get into it, you know, he made his quick slant throws. He was able to get in rhythm, and then the, the offense opened up. But my point is, is that the quarterback play was never a problem for LSU. The problem is that we give up 40-plus points a pop. That's the problem. We can't mm-hmm. stop anybody. The offense has never been an issue. So about developing a quarterback, I feel you. I, I, I do apply the pressure. But Miles Brennan still has another year of eligibility left. So, I mean, he's been good. You know, he's been good for us. And I, I know it's always, it's always easy to – you know, when you see something on that first game to, to hop on it. But, you know, Miles Brennan hasn't played bad, you know, and I think that we should, you know, if he's healthy to play, put him back in and let him start and, and get on your defense for not being able to stop anybody. It's hard for any offense to to function if the running game is not working, like Ramon said, and then your defense is just giving up so many points, bro. Like, you know, any any other college game you look at, you put up 44 points, you're winning that game. You know, but in our cases, it hasn't been the case because we're not able to stop anybody. So I think if anything, we need to find the defensive performance that was overall, I felt like I was critical of it, but I think that it was pretty decent compared to what has happened in the past four games. So I think that, you know, I think that Miles Brandlin's guy for now, and I think we shouldn't damage TJ by throwing him in the water right now. It's not, it's no reason for it right now. Yeah. I, I like those. I mean, I, you know, we can all agree to disagree with this, um, you know, but again, I, I think we can't hold TJ back 
because of what past things happened. You know, we're not necessarily damaging him. We really, what are we playing for this year? You know what I'm saying? Like, just because he has a year of eligibility too, it's like, hey, you know, who is going to give us the better chance to win? Right now, Finley is 1-0. and You know what I'm saying? On the other side of it, your boy is what? 1-2? and two? You know? So it's Ooh. like... I, I, think it's, I think it's short-sighted to just say it like that, though. I think I'm not saying it's short-sighted. It, it, I, I'm just – the eye test. When I look at the eye test, Finley had looked like the better quarterback watching that. He had his one mistake when he threw the interception. Again, learn and take the bumps and bruises. I expect that from a true freshman quarterback. But, again, how much – you guys harping on, hey, the run game helped it out. But how much of that run game – was because he is a threat with his feet that opened up lanes for our runners. We look at Brennan back there, it's just like the Lamar Jackson factor. It's just like the Kyler Murray factor. Those type of things where the running lanes and stuff open up for running backs because you have a threat on those type of running games. TJ not a dual threat, yo. TJ is not the most athletic dual threat. Yeah, I, I was TJ reminds me kind of like of a, of a Rohan Davy back in the, yeah. in the day that he can still he can move and he can do it effectively enough. Uh, but, but my thing is when I watched those games, the first three games or so, I didn't see a true intent to establish the run. Like when I watched the game with TJ Finley there, I saw a true intent right there to establish the run. Like Rob said, to help him settle in and they didn't abandon it. Like the game against, uh, Missouri, they completely abandoned the run. You had one or two plays where it didn't go right. And I also felt that the O-line played better this this previous week. So I still think, you know, I'm not, of course, in a situation of let's just write TJ off and let's just say that he won't be the guy at a certain point or anything like that. But I still think that Miles haven't, hasn't done anything right now Absolutely. to lose the job. Coach O is still saying that, that Miles Brennan is the guy. And so let him compete. Let there continue to be a competition in the practice and let's be able to trust – what Coach O, what Steve Ensminger and those guys see, you know, behind the scenes and determine who is the guy. But the, the, all of that to say, as a program, we're not in a bad spot if now we're arguing over, you know, who should be the QB. Right. And both of them have performed right. pretty well. So that's something to at least say for LSU. Right now, we got two, at least two solid options. That's not even to mention what Max Johnson can do. And even on the mm-hmm. recruit trail with Nussmeyer, who's going to be coming in who's going to be really good as well. So at least LSU is on the right track from the QB perspective at this point. Well, I think we're yeah. talking in circles right now. So <laughs> we gonna, you got something else, Carlos, and we're going to move on. No, I'll just be interested, you know, and I can look this stat up later, just see what the rushing attempts were compared to um, this this past game with Finley compared to when Brennan was in the game, what the rushing attempts were. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, we had a big lead. We was going to run about more with this. So it can be a little a screwed stat, but um, it'll be interesting to see. That's what I was I was trying to see if I can search really quick while you were talking with mine. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, interesting talk. I mean, again, I'm looking at the, 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 the big part of this team and the long haul of this team. And I think Brennan, to me, he's okay. He's not going to even – I don't think he's going to be a first-rounder, maybe not even a second-rounder. But I think Finley has a chance to be that. And that's all I have to say on that. I would say is Joe Burrow after his first year at LSU, he wasn't considered. He was on. He wasn't on anybody's radar. I just want to throw right. that in. But let's go on. We're talking in a circle. Yeah. Uh, so the NFL scope. We have two teams that we wanted to kind of target in on 
First of all, we owe Baker Mayfield an apology. How do I owe him an apology? Yeah, I was gonna say we. <laughs> I owe an apology. Yeah. Yeah, okay. maybe pull up that uh that that Fresh Prince with Uncle Phil be on there saying we we <laughs> all right yeah, it's you <laughs> all right I apologize for Baker Mayfield of course he threw for five touchdowns and threw a, a blazing game winning touchdown to knock off the Cincinnati Bengals but you know I'm gonna get a man his respect he lost say a backhanded field. compliment right there Hyman the Cincinnati. <laughs> right. He lost the uh, he lost Odell, so I give him credit. He lost one of his best weapons on, and he was still able to will his team to the win. Uh, hopefully, speedy recovery for Odell, who got diagnosed with a torn ACL out for the year. Um, I mean, I don't have much to say. I mean, I apologize. Uh, it seems like he may have listened to our podcast last month. <laughs> Listen to me on our on our last podcast, and he was tired of the criticism. But, I mean, that's how he needs to play going forward. You know, if the Browns have a shot, that's how he needs to play. He don't need to be playing how he's been playing in the previous game. All right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he had a good game. And I think he he showed up and he made clutch throws. It was a good back and forth game. And he did enough. He did what he needed to do to put his team on his back. How about Joey B, only quarterback to have 350-plus yards, a rushing touchdown, and throw for three passing touchdowns? Yeah, I mean they're definitely airing it out with that team. I I didn't expect them to yeah. spread it out as but much as they're doing. Joe can do it. Joe, Joe is special. Man. He's special, man. He has yeah. that it factor. He has that it that you feel is missing from Miles Brennan. We all know that Joe has that it. Oh yeah, he do. And and this how yeah. And, and I think that is my my issue with Brennan. I don't feel like he has the it. Like we're not going back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not. My bad. We're not against Miles Brennan, bro. My like, bad bring that up. Again. What did he do to you? Right. Nothing. I just I'm my eye check, man. I'm just yeah. eye check. He doesn't. No, have I, it, I agree with you on that. I agree. No one's saying he's Joe Burrow. Nobody's yeah. Joe Burrow. I agree that he doesn't have the it. I, but I don't think he doesn't. I don't. We don't think he did anything to lose his job so far. Yeah, but you but back to Joe. Him, Joe. Man. Yeah, Joe. Joe yeah, has the it factor, man. Joe. Joe is that guy. You're seeing him so, come instantly in and take leadership. So here we go. Offensive rookie, offensive player of the year. I tweeted. I said that. The battle for offensive player of the year is between him and Justin Herbert after the amazing game he had against the Colts. I don't know if y'all had a chance to see it. Amazing game. Um, I think that they are in the running for offensive player of the year. Of course, we got Claude, Claude, and Clyde the Glide in that running as well. But and Justin to Jefferson. me right now, and Justin Jefferson. But to me right now. I think Joe, I got to give Joe the edge for rookie offensive player of the year. I have him a little above Justin. I I agree with you there. I think that ultimately, I I think it's going to come down to those two QBs. I mean, we we throw Clyde around and we throw Justin Jefferson around. I think it's going to be one of those two QBs that grabs it. I think lately it's kind of going back and forth. I mean, Joe had a head start because, you know, you you see – you know, your boy over there, he didn't start the first two games of the year. So he kind of got – Justin Herbert kind of got a later start with it. But I would give Joe a slight lead at this point, a slight margin of having the uptick. But, I mean, it can go either way. Both of those guys have been super impressive, man. Both of them have been super impressive. And Justin Herbert is on my dynasty team. Yeah, I got I Justin right now. <laughs> Edging him out, man. 
right now. I just I think he just had his effect and things that he's done. He he's more he has more of the surprise factor, and you've seen with these votings and stuff like that that no one really expected Justin Her- Herbert to do what he's doing right now. I think everyone was like, oh, he's gonna have a year, and then when the unfortunate thing happened to Tyrod Taylor, you know, with him with the medical staff you know, he was kind of thrown into the fire and he surprised, you know, he did well against the Saints that game, you know, they end up giving that game up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Now you want him to wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And he showed up in these big games, you know, he just, that team just can't finish. So right now I just think from the surprise factor and knowing how these, these NFL voters vote, he may edge out Joe Burrow. It's going to ultimately end up being how these teams finish with that record. Well, they both had the same record. They're both a terrible team overall. Uh, so I think that that will be to the – I think that's a mute point there. But I think that it's going to be who put up the bigger numbers. And you look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has plenty more weapons than uh, Justin Herbert has. So I think he has the opportunity to take it over. He got Tyler Boyd. He got Green. And he got uh, – T. Higgins in that thing. Then he got um when uh he get healthy, uh yeah, ain't gonna help me out. Y'all love when I stumble over these names. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Joe Mixon. Yeah, Joe, Joe Mixon. Yeah. So I mean, I think he has a lot of weapons. So I think that that ultimately will happen. But I mean, I don't know. It comes down to who can create a more competitive team. Who will be a more competitive team? I mean, I'm interested. I'm, I'm gonna be glued to the screen. I don't mind being wrong because it's going to be fun to watch, guys. So, let's get into it. Uh, I think that um, we should talk about the woes of two teams that I was about to get to. And let's start off with Patriots, man. Cam Newton stunk up the place this Sunday, this past Sunday, and it it, it was hard to watch, uh, fellas. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Cam as, as I've been vocal about this podcast, but he didn't look good at all. Um, I think that the the Patriots, this is the only time they've been on a two-game losing streak, three-game, or is it two? I think this is the first time in history that they've been on any type of losing streak that they're on right now since 2002, I saw somewhere. So it's pretty drastic. Uh, I mean, it brings up a couple conversations of can Tom Brady, who was more – uh, responsible for the success of the Patriots during their dynasty years? Was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? But I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about the Patriots and their addition of Cam Newton. And is it time to hit the panic button for those guys? As a Patriots fan, am I panicking right now? You think you see all the Instagram videos about him being a lion <laughs> and him working out in the rain <laughs> yeah. and telling his kids he's going up north? I love Cam. Don't get me. Yeah. I love – I'm a Cam fan. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But, you know, at this point, you're seeing them struggle, and they, they've, they've come to a stop. Is it time for me as a, as a Patriots fan, for all our Patriot fan listeners, is it time to hit the panic button, guys? Well, I mean, look at the situation, though. Like, you know, I think you look at what he has around him, the situation was already trash. He already is up, running up a uphill battle with – is the team that's surrounded by Cam. Not to mention the whole COVID thing and knocking him out for a game where they had to start Stidham, who is shouldn't be in the league probably right now. Um, you know, and they lost that game. So, you know, one of the losses not really on him. You know, this last one was definitely on him. 
you know, you're dealing with a team that their weapons, their best weapon is, is a 35-year-old slot receiver. You know what I'm saying? You lost Nikhil Harry. He went down with injury. You, you, you lost your starting running back in Sonny Michelle. So, you know, these are all the complaints that Tom Brady had with the Patriots, you know, was, hey, I don't have no weapons over here, man. Like, yeah, how do y'all expect me to compete, right? You know, it, it, the run game can only do so much. When you shut down the run game and you force the Patriots to pass, that's when you dominate them. And that's how that has been teams, um, um, their, their game plan against them. Shut down the run, shut down the read option, shut down Cam, keep them in the pocket, make him pass the ball, and you're going to win the game. So, I mean, again, I, I didn't expect them to – Cam was great the first few weeks of the season. But, again, I expected teams to figure that system out. And, you know, eventually, you know, the talent will show itself. And, and it has. No, I agree with you. Honestly, I don't have too much to add to that. I'm going to directly say, yes, if you're a Patriots fan, press the panic button right now. Like, this is probably going to be a rough season for Patriots fans. They're used to nothing but excellence over the last two decades, basically. Um, and, and this season is going to be rough for them. It's going to be something that they haven't experienced in a while. And like you said, it, it's just the talent factor around there. And then when you see um, even a Patriots defense that isn't dominant at this point, too, I mean, they're in for a rough season. No, yeah. se- Look how no many solid- players yeah. opt out. Yeah, that's a very true key factor as well. So it's going to be a long season for them. Press the panic button if you're a Patriots fan. Uh, I don't see really anything to be optimistic about, honestly, at this point. Well, I, I look at Cam. He don't look right. You know, yeah. some, it, he doesn't look good. And, you know, he was 9 for 15 this past Sunday, had a rate, uh, passer rating of 39%. He threw for three picks. Cam has not been, uh, even though I'm a huge fan of him, he hasn't been the most accurate passer throughout his career. That's not one of his strong suits. His strong suit is athleticism. But I think that he doesn't have much to throw to, uh, like y'all allude to. And I have, I don't have much to add, but I just thought I'd throw that in there is that Cam is just not looking good. Uh, he's going to have to play better. You know, he's going to have to will. He's going to have to have a 2015-type MVP-type yeah. season for these Patriots to be competitive. And I don't know if he's ready for that after sitting out a whole year. So, you know, I don't really think he has that, that anymore. I don't think he has that anymore. So we'll move on to the Cowboys. Are you going to do it, Los? We talked about it in pre-pro. You going to do it? Come on, man. Try it, bro. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, bro. Why not? Okay. So we're going to talk about the Cowboys, and apparently what I was alluding to is that Carlos is, is a part of a family that are huge Cowboys fans. And he refuses to involve them, which I knew if I was to talk to them today, they would be ecstatic to join us here today on the podcast. But he refuses to reach out to them. So we're going to have to, for entertainment's sake, we're going to have to do it ourselves. But as y'all, as you guys know, the Cowboys have dropped another one. They made the Redskins look completely, completely like a great football team. And we know that the Washington football team is not that good of a team. Um, but yet we saw it, and I just want you guys' thoughts on it, man. They look bad, and I think that it, it kind of branches off to, to Zeke and, and how bad he's looked. He's had three fumbles in the past two games, and that's very uncharacteristic of him. Um, 
and you would expect him to take the reins with Dak out. We know that this team is deflated, but man, the the, the just the showing that they've had, they're not prepared to play. So I I really look at Coach McCarthy in this situation, and I think that he hasn't had his guys ready to play. Um, I think that he. I, I think that he's in, in over his head. I think that I'm automatically kind of, you know, if it was Bill Belichick going out for you and coming back, I'll be fine with it. But being that he was pretty average with the Packers for a long time, that's why they let him go, or they mutually decided to part ways. And then he came back after taking a year off. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really like, I never really, I, I'm scratching my head with McCarthy as their choice, but I, I think you have to look at McCarthy in this situation, why this team is not ready to play, why the defense gives up astronomical numbers, and I'm looking forward, I'm trying to put everybody in my fantasy lineup that's playing against the Cowboys, but, you know, they're just an overall terrible team. They don't look like they're prepared to play week in and week out so far this season. Yeah, no, I think that you perfectly covered it. That was ex- exactly going to be my point as well. I think a lot of it comes down to coaching. And I think that the players don't believe in the coaching staff at this point. And you honestly know, you know, how it is when you don't feel, you know, that the coach is prepared or a coach is preparing you in a way to succeed. You know, and I feel that they, have, as an organization at this point, have kind of checked out, have really kind of checked out of this season, you know, especially once Dak went down. You saw Andy Dalton, you know, have to leave this game with a concussion situation. Um, And so, you know, I I really think that they're in for a long season, a tough season. I don't really see it getting better for them at this point. Um, And so, like you said and alluded to with the issues that they're facing, even, you know, we're used to Dallas having a, a, a dominant offensive line. There are issues along the offensive line at this point. You don't have solid quarterback play. The one you felt you can lean on, like you were talking about in Zeke, He's struggling at this point, and I think he's mentally kind of checked out. And so it's just all rough right now. Like Jerry Jones was on an interview recently, and he got tested in the interview, him telling the person to basically shut up. So it's like they just in a, <laughs> they just in a tough spot as an organization. It's going to be a bad season for them. So it is what it is. So who's having the worst season, the Patriots or the Cowboys? I have to say From Cowboys. expectation standpoint, yeah, I'll say Cowboys, definitely. Yeah, I think Cowboys as well because they are super talented on the offensive side, but defensively, letting go of that corner may not have been the best thing, letting him go to Miami, but he got hurt. so. But anyway, let's move forward to our OB rankings. We put them out. If you're listening right now, you want to check them out. O underscore Benchwarmers is the Instagram where you can find our top five rankings that we do weekly that we can, we uh, get in a group and we huddle and we put together the, the top, who we feel is the top five NFL teams in the league at that point. And um, a lot of, a lot of rankings, I've been seeing a lot of rankings out there all of a sudden since we put them out. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to take credit for it. We're not going <laughs> to take credit for it guys, but I've been seeing a lot of rankings on Instagram lately uh, I'm not going to say anything. Again, I'm not a messy person, so I'm not going to say that they're getting it from us. But if you want to see the official O underscore Benchwarmers podcast rankings, you'll just get on O underscore Benchwarmers on our Instagram, guys. And we have the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at number one. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching them. I think they really first caught my eye probably, probably last week. They were impressive to me. 
um, in their win, but they got another press, impressive win with the Titans. Like, the problems they're having right now is, is just being able to close. But to, to have an undefeated Titans team, you're playing them away. And I don't care if it's no fans in the stands, you're still away. And for you to dominate for the majority of the game, and of course they let things, they took their foot off the pedal toward the end. And it, the, the score suggested that it was closer than what the game was. I mean, I think you got a true Super Bowl contender. I said it last week. And I still believe that. I think that they are a really, a real good team, a really, really good football team. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on that briefly, I think they are a good team, but they have the right formula to beat the defending champions, right? They have the, one of the best, if not the best, pass rush with Dupree. And um, I always get it. I always want to say Bosa. Matt Bosa. TJ White, man. TJ White. I don't they know why I get the Bosa's. They are similar. Right? They all are pass rushers. But um, with TJ White, and Dupree, you know, they have the right formula to take down a Pat Mahomes, shut down their run. You can't throw the ball. You can't throw those long passes, you know, to Tyreek Hill and all that um, if you can't get the pass. You can't get the, the throw off. So, I'll just say that. Yeah. No, I agree. I think y'all covered it. I think that the Steelers have solidified themselves, you know, to be that number one team in the rankings right now. And it's going to be interesting down the road to see, you know, when these teams square off. Uh, potentially, you know, later on, you know, how that would fare. But I think that they've earned that right to be number one in the rankings. Yeah, and then we have the Titans round, rounding it off at number five. I think the way that they battled back into that game showed how tough of a, of a team they are. They're well coached by Coach Frable, who comes under that um, that uh, Belichick tutelage. So, I mean, I think they're a well-coached team. Uh, I think they pride themselves in the run and, and on defense. So, I mean, they're, they're still a solid team. I couldn't take them on my top five for losing to the, to the Steelers, who's just an astronomical team. And, of course, we got the Chiefs in there. Um, I, I want to talk about the Seahawks again. Uh, you know, they faced Arizona, which was probably – Lowe's, you tweeted out. You thought, felt as though that that was the game of the year this past Sunday night. Uh, the Hawks and the and – the, and the, and the uh, and the Cardinals, the battle of the birds. That's in your division. What do you see? And as a Rams fan, does it scare you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Cardinals are for real, man. Like, you know, they lost their best pass rusher, you know, and that took a hit to their defense. But they're still special. From Buda Baker to Kyler Murray to their offense, you know, they are thriving. You know, and they are competing with Russell Wilson, who has been. They have been letting him cook. You know, they have not been – they usually throughout the years, obviously we've seen the Seahawks be a team that is a run-first team. The Seahawks are now a pass-first team, whether you realize it or not. You know, they do not – they are not a run-first team anymore, and Russell Wilson has been killing it. So those two going toe-to-toe in that that matchup on Sunday night was just one of the best games that – probably the game of the year thus far. I haven't seen a better game yet. You know, and them taking blows at each other and – offensively just back and forth and you know showing up defensively and and that play from DK Metcalf checking down chasing down Buda Baker you know just that hustle these are teams in this division you have you have three teams three out of the four teams that have five wins in this division the fourth team has four wins you know and a banged up team in the 49ers so this division is second to none in the NFL there's no other division competing with this division Y'all are, now, y'all, y'all are the opposite of the NFC East. Absolutely. They're the, team absolutely. Of, they're the division of the trash. 
Y'all are the division of the elite. I agree with you. I don't have anything to add to it. You got something yeah. to add, Ramon? Yeah, I think that you covered it. The only thing that I'm interested to see as the Seahawks, as the season goes on, is when Jamal Adams will come back and the impact that he can have. Um, I think that he was kind of okay to start off the season. I don't think that his impact has been as great as I thought it was going to be over there, but I'll be interested to see what impact that'll be once he comes back. But I think you basically covered it, man. Well, the guy say he's a sore loser. That's what he tweeted yeah. out, right? So hopefully yeah. he'll be uh, get well soon, one of the many LSU players. So real quick, guys, at this point in the fantasy season, we've reached the halfway point. So as we love our listeners and followers of Opinionated Benchwarmers, we appreciate you so much. We don't just say that because we say that, but for our Opinionated Benchwarmers listeners that are fantasy players, we do want to give you advice at this halfway point. We know we got your one in five teams that basically is trash. <laughs> you got your 0 and 6 teams who you need to start preparing for the next season. Hopefully you're in a dynasty league. Then you got your 3 and 3 teams who, you know, maybe, you know, hey, they, there's hope there, you know, four and two, you, you, you're good. You have some weaknesses that you need to address, but you're there. And then you got your five and one teams who's just crushing it all. Then you got your undefeated teams as well. So um, I, I just want to just talk to you a little bit about, let's give our fancy uh, listeners some advice, man, at this point. Um Give them some advice, man. Like if you yeah. if you're here, yeah, yeah. like like me, I'm three and four in two leagues, and I'm four and three in one league. Uh, I'm not gonna expose all my records because I don't want to uh, my credibility to fly out the window. For those immature people who don't understand injuries and and the effect of COVID. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying right now I'm six and one and four and two in our in our leagues right now so i haven't had a bad year you know not up to my standards i don't like to lose at all but the advice that i'll give to the listeners is hey look at your roster and look at and be realistic with your roster and what i mean by that is hey okay you are a three and three three and four four and three team you're around that 500 range you know at this point you got trade deadlines coming up flip some of those guys that you know are high in make your team more even out balanced instead of dealing with these players that are hit or miss every week, right? These players that maybe give you 40 or, I mean, may give you 20, 30, and then give you like 10, you know, those, those boomer bust players, see if you can flip those players, you know, on their hot weeks, right. And get two players that'll give you more solid balance throughout the year. Right. And then you look at your roster and you look at the bench, right. You look at your bench and you decide where am I in the season? So, okay. You, if you are already, one of the top three seeds going into the, the year, you look at it and you say, okay, do I need these guys, these type of guys on my bench where they can be boom and bust? Or do I need at this point start securing some handcuffs to these guys? So that way, if my guys fall off, I'm looking at a situation where I already have this backup. Now it's hard to, these, if you're in a sharp league to get handcuffs, because most likely some other guy on your, in your league already got these handcuffs stashed, hoping that your top player gets hurt. So you got to be really sharp on the waiver wires. You have to be ahead of the game when it comes to picking up free agents. You got to look at type of things of who's coming off the injured reserve. You got to look at well, take all you the know, points, Carlos. <laughs> I, I apologize. These are these, these are these are good nuggets that I think both of you guys can probably use as well. But you got to look at who's coming off injured reserve. You know, you have the three week injured reserve. You have the eight week injured reserve. You know, so these players, like a good example, would be. 
um, um, Tevin Coleman. You know, um, I was able to scoop him up in a league where, again, you're looking at a situation with the 49ers where the backfield is a little muddy right now with these players, Jeff Wilson getting hurt, obviously uh, Raheem Mostert getting hurt. And then you got someone like Tevin Coleman that's coming off an injury that some in some leagues that some people dropped. It was like, okay, you know, this backfield is too confusing. But he is in a situation where he can be that number one guy when he comes back and be the number one guy for multiple weeks. So you look at those type of situations. Or you just be sharp and you just be like, hey, this guy's not a starter now, but he's getting some carries. And so what I mean by that is like a, a LaMichael P. Ryan. You know, he's not the best option, but I need somebody to have, you know, in a situation, let's see a coaches get fired and then they're looking forward to next season. So you look at situations where the Jets suck, right? But they may look at, okay, let's stop giving Frank Gore carries. Our season sucks. Our coach is about to get fired. Let's see what we got building into next year. So they they ride a player like LaMichael P. Ryan where he's only giving you 10 points. But again, when a year like that where there's injuries and things like that, that 10 points is very vital to you winning because, again, the, the running back situation is so muddy this year. That's all I have. Goodness gracious. That, that was a book. Much huh? love. I think, yeah, whatever he said. Right. But I will say this. If you're three and four, don't panic. If you're four and three, don't panic. I feel like it, it's one of those years where it's very injury riddled. So I think that don't be afraid to make deals, man. I think that's the main thing. Don't be afraid to make trades. Don't don't get attached to these names. You know, look at it from an analytical standpoint of what they bring to the table and target. I think Miles Gaskin is a good good person to target if you if you're having uh, running back issues. Um, I think that another good guy is Hasty from uh, San Francisco, who who could probably get a, a bunch of carries this this uh, week because of um, the injury that Los mentioned. You know, these are guys that you can – that may not cost as much that you could probably maybe get. Elena Farnett, who's um, on the up-and-coming right now, uh, who Bruce uh, Bruce Arians, Coach Bruce Arians, uh, confirmed that he's a third-down third running back now. He's taking that role away from Shady. So – and, I, you know, like I predicted and Ramon predicted by the end of the year, I feel like he's going to be the guy in that backfield because he's the most talented back. And he had a great game last week against the Raiders. So, you know, those are things that you keep just – but I, my main advice is just don't panic. Yeah. And, and just to kind of go along with that too as well, just like you were speaking about dynasty leagues, if you are one of those players that's playing in a dynasty league, of course, like we always say, truly treat it as a, a true GM. So if you're struggling right now in that league and it's not looking favorable for you – Start even looking to plan for the future. You may have an asset right now that, you you know, is kind of performing pretty well on that fringe that, hey, they may change something for a contender. That contender may be looking for that next little piece to get them over the top in this year, and you may be able to gain some draft assets going forward. So also just be on the lookout for that. If you're playing Dynasty right now and you feel that this year is a tough year for you, you don't know if you can really shake back. You're towards the end. You only have one win or no wins there. Start thinking about the future as well and seeing what kind of draft capital that you can build as you move forward with your team, uh, with your organization. So that's just a nugget just for Dynasty players out there. Yeah, man. I think that's good. We wrapped up another edition of the PNA Benchworms podcast. Make sure that you're following O underscore Benchwomers on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure that you search us on Facebook. We're on there as well. Just search our PNA Benchwomers. Make sure you show us love. Again, we're taking pre-orders on T-shirts. 
You can find that information and link in our bio O underscore benchwarmers. Uh, just subscribe, listen, download, share, whatever you can do to get our name out there. We surely appreciate it, but we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. And until next time, we hope to catch you at the same spot. How about that? That's different. Later. Right. <laughs> Change it up. <laughs>